Welcome to the Fire Trainers Podcast, Season 6, Episode 7, published on October 17th, 2023. We are part of the ConcealedCarry.com network of podcasts. This episode, we'll be talking to Joe Brown about growing his business from a security services business to become an instructor. Sit back and relax for this week's episode of the Fire Trainers Podcast. This episode is also brought to you by the FTA, the Fire Trainers Association. Visit the website at ftaprotect.com. Dot com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. Maybe out there looking around for instructor coverage right now, but you won't find anything better than FTA coverage for instructors. And listeners to this podcast get a special discount. That discount is 10% off on your policy at checkout. So go over to ftaprotect.com and use checkout code FTP10 for your 10% off. This episode is brought to you by the concealedcarry.com business directory. Did you know that you can get a free listing for your instruction business on concealedcarry.com? Visit biz.concealedcarry.com and add your business for free. It will be searchable online and to potential students who use the concealedcarry.com mobile app. Claim your listing today. Remember, we bring this podcast support to the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every one of you out there, those fire instructors in America that dedicate time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Today, we're joined with Joe Brown from Scorpion Defense Training. Welcome, Joe, and thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Well, for those who don't know who Joe Brown is and Scorpion Defense Training, can you give us a little bit about your background and what you do in the uh, 2A community? Well, a little bit about me and before I started the company, I roughly have over about 30 years in federal security, being a federal security officer myself, as well as DOD. working for the Department of Defense as a federal security officer on military installations around the United States. And at some point, I became a trainer working, doing firearms and defensive tactics and baton, uh, a hands-on instructor, as we call it, a subject matter expert, hands-on instructor. And from there, I just took my passion and love of teaching people and assisting people that I work with And in 2015, I decided to go ahead and start my company because I'm getting older and I wanted to do something and still have something to do when I do get to that point to retire that I'm passionate about. And I'm very passionate about training. I'm very passionate about training civilians as well as security officers, uh, state level and federal level uh, here in the United States. And since then, I've been running the business on the government side as well now really focus on teaching civilians on how to, you know, carry their firearm, be defense ready and stay defense ready, not just with the firearm, but with the mindset, making sure that they know what to do and what not to do, and more so how to avoid a situation if possible. So that is who Joe Brown is in a nutshell. Let's take and, and we'll dissect that a little bit because I think for our listeners out there, um, firearms trainers podcast, we've got a lot of people that are trainers, but also people that might want to be looking at diversifying their uh, sources of income for, um, you were talking about, you did federal uh, security work. What kind of got you in from just being a security guard into having your own security company? The drive to see a better instructor out here and not saying that I'm the best or anything along that line, but I'm very passionate about what I do and the training I give. I mean, I grew up in the security world since I was about 18 years old and then turning 21 and seeing actually people 
that could not shoot very well to pass a state level certification. So here in the D.C., Virginia metropolitan area, DMV, what we call it, uh, you have to get certified state level for every jurisdiction that you're going to work in. And that can be very costly out of the person's pocket. And then you have but no one's actually giving you good firearms training if you're not seeking it out yourself. For me, that became a problem when I stood next to men and women that was just saying, hey, I'm just doing this to collect a paycheck. So I really don't. I, I paid somebody to get my certification. You know, I didn't really pass the range. So I wanted to just I paid an extra two hundred dollars and he or she passed me as the instructor. And that really bothered me. And there was no accountability for it. So when I started my company, I was like, this is not going to be the way it's going to be. You want to get a certification, you have to put the work in. But also on top of that, I wanted to make sure that you were actually qualified and trained to to carry that gun on site. I'd rather rather refund you your money back if you didn't meet the standards, the state level standards or Homeland Security standards to actually be qualified to do this job. Now, I'm not in your mind. I'm not there to figure out what you want to do if something actually did ever happen. But I want to make sure you were well trained as much as I possibly can make it happen. So that's where I really dived in on the federal security side uh, over over the years. It's just really trying to make sure because on the Homeland Security side, as a federal security officer, we call them PSOs, protective service officers. Make sure I say it correctly. The year. And you have to shoot every six months. And if you don't shoot a minimum score, you don't get your job. But for some reason, you know, people skate by, they barely make it by. People don't want to put it into work. And you have some contracts out here where if you don't shoot well enough, you lose your job. You don't shoot well enough, you're out of work for the next week or two weeks. And I looked at that and I wanted to make sure I'd be able to help families or help that individual protect their family because they still got bills to pay. They still have kids at home. Mm-hmm. And I used and I started having officers come to me and say, hey, can you take me to the range? Can you take me to the range? Can you help me get become a better shooter? And I realized over time that I'm providing a service that I'm passionate about and I'm providing a service that I was being paid to do as well. But I wasn't really chasing the money. I was more chasing to make sure those people were better trained and re- ready to not to just take a test, but also ready to protect themselves if somebody came in a government facility. Mm-hmm. Well, and since they're you know, federal uh, officers and things like that, they're protecting, you know, federal facilities, which, you know, they protect those because there's secrets, there's, uh, you know, people in there, there's all kinds of different things in there. And you want them to be able to effectively execute their jobs when they need to because not only do they have a family to go home to they also have you know a you know commitment to protect all those people that in that facility and to keep the you know the the evildoers away from you know the u.s installations and things like that and yes it's a paycheck but even when i've gone along and uh you know trained police officers and such you realize very quickly that the ones that look at it beyond just being a paycheck they do a lot better overall because they realize that hey they're going to be the person you know standing there with a gun which makes them a target and if it makes them a target then they need to know how to effectively uh execute you know what what they 
what they need to do, whatever that is. And at the same time, you know, they've got to have the tools, the means, the proper attitude to be able to go along and be effective there. If they just crumble into a pile of mush, they're not going to be effective as a you know security guard anywhere. And that's one of the issues that we've got to make sure as trainers that we help, especially security guards, police officers, things like that, that will be in the middle of harm's way at, at some point more more likely than the civilian concealed carriers but they've got the right attitude too and they know that you know they can come back and take training from us one of the standard policies i have is that if you take training from me you're more than willing to come back and retake that same training class from me at no charge as long as i've got room in the class for you and it's my belief that if you need it you know be brushed up it's there's no skin off my nose for you to come back and sit through a class and brush up on those skills a little bit because i'd rather have you brushed up on the skills than to go along and visit you in the hospital because something bad happened or worse yet to go to your funeral because you weren't able to properly execute things and that's just that's just the reality of the situation the way that i look at it and um you know not making too too dramatic but at the same time Police officers get and security officers get in some hairy, hairy situations from time to time, and they need to have the proper skills, just like we tell the civilian uh, concealed carriers. You have to have the skills because you're not going to rise to the location uh, to the to at the the occasion. You're going to drop to your lowest level of skills at that point, and if you barely can shoot it, guess what? You're barely going to be able to shoot, and there's not enough ammo to you know keep missing. Soldier. I mean, I, I preach the same thing because I tell people, I'd rather you call me and have an honest conversation with me. And that's for beginner, for beginner officers, uh, state level wise before they're, they're eligible to become a federal security officer. If you can't pay for it, tell me if you, if you need a payment plan, let me know because I'd rather you come to me and get the proper training and go somewhere else and somebody just check, check a box. And since you're on the way and you still don't know what you're doing, what you're going to. And I see it time and time again that people have their firearms. Uh, I just got into a conversation several months ago and I actually had it on my Instagram page. If you're being trained by somebody brand new or a vet that has not even learned how to really run your gun from a holster. How are you being trained to be prepared for work? And that's one of my biggest pet peeves. I've invested a lot of my time, my money in in buying equipment, buying the proper equipment to make sure I train you correctly. I don't want you just to come and touch a gun as a security officer. I want you to learn how to draw that firearm from the holster. I want you to work on manipulating that, that trigger guard. Everything that you have to do to make sure that you're prepared to draw that firearm because every holster is not the same. You know, mm-hmm. you have your level one, your level two, your level three retention holsters. So if you can't manipulate those that equipment under calm, normal situation and training, how are you going to be prepared for the fight when it comes for in a real life and you can't get your weapon out of a holster because you do it such repetition slowly all the time? Mm-hmm. Well, and you got those, you know, advanced skills of, you know, if you get knocked down, you know, can you draw and shoot from uh, unconventional positions, you know, on your back, on your knees, on you know, in a prone position, different things like that, because that's, you know, state the obvious bad guys are never going to go along and give you the chance 
to go along at the upper hand. They're always going to go along and, you know, do it at a time that you don't expect it and in a way you don't expect it. And that's why you've got to be prepared for anything that's thrown at you um, to be able to respond effectively. Because, again, you're trying to protect the people that are in your facility and such. And that's why at my facility, we train you in every aspect from OC. We certify you and train you in OC pepper spray. We train you in handcuffing, retention, defensive tactics, baton. We we go put you through the whole gauntlet of training. And, you know, people like, oh, it's a one day class. No, you're you're with me for two weeks to make sure that you get all the certifications you need. If you're brand new coming out of coming into the industry for the first time to make sure that we cover everything. And my OC class, you're actually getting pepper sprayed. My civilian OC class, you kind of get pepper sprayed. We don't go directly on. We do secondary contact for if you're a civilian, because I, I preach on, I'm moving into another area, but I really preach about to my civilian classes, having more than one tool mm-hmm. to protect itself. Everybody wants to have a gun in the in the civilian world, but I preach about having more than one tool to protect yourself because you're not just thinking about getting getting in a lawsuit. I mean, getting in trouble for having a firearm and using it. What if you had pepper spray and you needed to defend yourself with pepper spray because you still in the state of Virginia, you have to use reasonable justified justification level of force to protect yourself. And all the time, that does not mean with a firearm if it's right. not a firearm situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is a good transition over into on the civilian side of things, uh, because why did you start it? You know, it's, it sounds like you've got a lot of experience. You've got a good following when it comes to the security side of things. Uh, people come to you. You've got your own company. Why branch out into the civilian side and deal with, you know, that whole realm of uh, problems? Well, I'm going to be really honest and transparent uh, because I've always I grew up being a Cub Scout, a Boy Scout, uh, moved up to Explorer Scout instead of going to Eagle Scout. So I've always been a protector and a server of my family and my community. I've always been that person that's always prepared to protect others. And unfortunately, and this would be the first time I've actually really shared it. uh, I lost my parents in 1995. Uh, My mom, my mom raised me. she was she was the true protector. She was a person that worked her butt off to give me the best things in life uh, uh, for a woman without an education, uh, without a high school education, I should say. And she always, you know, had to catch the bus or do something, go to work early in the morning. She, my mom always carried a knife, always carried something to protect herself. So that's how she raised me, always being prepared. And unfortunately, coming from a broken home in a bad situation. My dad killed my mom on Christmas Eve in 1995. Ouch. Wow. That's bad. Uh, and, and he, he pretty much ambushed her when she got out of her car at work. And my mom always was a person that paid such had situational awareness, always pay attention. And unfortunately, uh, he shot, walked up and shot and killed her and then walking back to his car and shot and killed himself. Uh, since after that, you know, it became my mission to always make sure I educate women because that's a large population of my, uh, my clients, but I also wanted to make sure I protect, show other people how to protect themselves. 
I always talk about situational awareness. Are you defense ready? A lot of people look at my hashtag and say, oh, are you defense ready? Yeah, I got a gun. My hashtag is nothing about the having a gun. It's about having the mindset to protect yourself. It's about having that situational awareness about protecting yourself, paying attention to your surroundings. I call it looking near, looking far, looking wide when you're out and about in the world to always have an idea of what the what if, if something would happen. And I know I went around the way, but that's what really drove me more to moving into the civilian side of the house when I started the company, because I've always been talking to people, always educating single mothers or women or my family members, my aunts. And it just, when some women came to me and my wife's friends came to me, it was like, can you show me how to shoot? Can you show me how to protect myself? Can you come to my house and do a threat assessment around my condo that I just bought? All of that, all of what I'm about, who I am, my identify, how I identify myself as a protector of people, drew fell right into my business. That's uh, that's a heck of a story there, Joe. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, that sounds. Uh, you got a lot, lot of uh, motivation behind that. What kind of all training do you do on the on the civilian side? Right now, it's mostly uh, firearms and defensive tactics. Uh, when I basic defensive tactics in the sense that escape and evade, if possible. Uh, OC OC classes for the civilians. Uh, Shoot, I just drew a blink that moment, uh, that quick. Uh, OC classes, defensive tactics, as well as uh, basic firearms for entry level, concealed conceal carry firearms, meaning teaching you how to draw from concealment, teaching you how to draw from a pocketbook, uh, elevating your heart rate, having you move, move and st- stop being stagnant on the range, having you move and move to cover to deal with the threat in different in different situations i want to put you on your back we have the red man suit we have uh threat no threat drills so when i put when i pull out the red man suit and i actually have you get on the mat and i'm going to show you what it's going to be like to where you may have to fight your fight to get away from the bad person mm-hmm. and for those that aren't familiar with what a red man suit is that's basically a padded suit that you can have an attacker and the person being attacked can wail away on them without yes. injuring the attacker for it um we hope we hope yeah. some people, <laughs> some people knows how to get a good kick in or a good punch in in your knee shins and things like that but yes we have the red man suit uh that's supposed to be 100% padded you know we fight we fighting but we have safe words to make sure that you're you're not going to be hurt you know and then that we're not getting hurt as bad you know it's one thing that swing a baton or swing you know because we do the baton classes for the civilians as well. If that wants to carry a small, small baton in their bags, uh, or what I also call impact weapons, you know, you don't know what how that's going to do to somebody if you just stand here and just swing it at it in the air. No, I want to give you the opportunity to actually swing and hit on something in a safe environment where you're going to know what your adrenaline is going to do, your emotion is going to do. You're going to have that drunk that uh, adrenaline dump where you're going to be sweating and, and, and fighting you. I need you fighting because you know how long it takes for a police officer to show up or hopefully somebody to show up to that's going to assist you. So we go for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that kind of underscores the, 
whole need for physical fitness because if you've never gone, you know, full steam for a couple minutes, you don't realize just how much that takes out of you. Mm-hmm. And you've got to be prepared for that because, you know, what happens if, you know, your kids are behind you and you've got to be able to defend? Or what happens if that student has that, you know, has kids behind their family, you know, those kind of defensive situations. And those are the things where we as instructors need to make sure that people are in the right mindset. You know, I, I don't call it paranoid. Call, you want to have, you want to be prepared and be in the right mindset. That means that if they are in a place where they're legally allowed to carry, they can carry, but they also understand that every problem isn't always solved with a gun. Sometimes it's pepper spray. Sometimes it's a stern, you know, voice, different things along those lines. Because one of the things I, I kind of bring up to my students to have them, you know, go along is ask them, you know, if somebody comes in swinging Louisville slugger, is that a, you know, lethal threat? Can you defend yourself? And, you know, almost universally they shake their head. Yes. And it's like, well, what happens to, what happens? It's a six year old kid. Like, ah, if you've only got one tool, then everything's going to look, look like a nail to you. And that's where, you know, is it six, six year old, 16 year old, or a 60 year old, um, have different capabilities there. And that's where you've got to have a mindset to be able to properly, um, figure that out. You know, a 10 year old, you know, you can get some very big 10 year olds that can be very violent. Um, at the same time, you can have, you know, criminals can be 60, 70 years old and very intent upon you, but you also have to keep in mind that some people are affected by mental illness. And that's where, you know, what can you do to minimize those kind of situations? Because put it this way, nobody's going to enjoy it if you have to defend yourself. And to go along and all of a sudden find out that person was suffering from some kind of mental episode that that person, you know, was, you know, mistaken whatever the situation is and but you had to defend yourself you might be 100 percent legal in what you did but you still have to live with it and those are all things that you've got to have the right attitude to make sure you you're making decisions that you can live with um for the rest of your life and that's that's a tough one no you're 100 right because one of the things i always start my class out with you know doesn't matter your age what is your why what brought you to this point today where if you lived a charm life or whatever type of life you live and you've never had a firearm in your life, especially during this whole COVID time period where everybody was running out buying a gun, what what makes you want this in your life right now? And 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 I always tell people, I'll respect your why, whatever you say, it doesn't matter. I just want to hear what your why is, because then my rebuttal back to you is. I have several questions you don't have to answer to me. But I want you to write these down. You know, are you willing to go to jail for this? Are you willing to die for this? Mm-hmm. Are you willing to upset your family's household financially for having this gun? You know, and the biggest thing I always ask people is. Have you talk, thought about or are you prepared to live with the aftermath of taking someone's life because you chose to have this at in your life at this point? And astonish, and in the last three years, I think I've had at least four people come to the realization that they did not want the gun. They paid for, they still paid for the class. I gave them their money back, but just educating them on that, hearing that made them was like, no, nah, I don't want this. Telling someone that, no, just because somebody broke into your house to steal your TV. You cannot just sh- blankly shoot them. And they're like, really? No. And mm. and 
I don't care what was told to you by friends. I don't care what was told to you by social media. You cannot do this. And it's astonished me that, okay, you want this, but you don't. Then my last question is always to them. You go to work every day, right? They say, yes. Do you have any mercy occupation at work? Your EDC for work. And they was like, what is that? And I was like, if the fire broke out in your building, what is your emergency occupant plan for work? Oh, they told us to meet down the street. So how do you not have something like that in your personal life right here and now? Mm-hmm. But now you want to add a gun. So I I try to do my best all the time to educate people on you want this, but you have what did you what do you do to protect yourself now? And nobody has a plan. Oh, I got cameras, I got an alarm. Okay, what do you do when you leave the house? The average person can't really tell you what situational awareness really means. Everybody thinks it's a cool word to say, but nobody can really dive into telling us what it really means until we dive into it when I'm teaching a class. Mm -hmm. And they are like, oh, okay. And I always ask the ladies, this is a question. Great. This is a great one to ask your ladies uh, when you're teaching your class. Do you get into your car? If you carry a pocketbook, do you get in your car head first or butt first? And and people people are sounds like, I don't know. Do you get in head first or butt first? And they're like, what do you mean? Do you take that pocketbook and sling, put your head in the car if you have a car and sling your bag over to the other side so you lose total situational awareness? Or do you open your door, put your booty down first, look around, and then get in your car and close your door? When I demo that in the class, people people astonish how quickly that they've lost total situation awareness. Yep, and somebody can walk up to them very quickly. Yep, and and as I was saying before, criminals never fight fair. No, you know they mean? never do. That's just by by definition, everything. Um, hey, uh, Joe, I forgot to ask this before, but what uh, uh, what kind of training or who are you certified with when it comes to on the civilian side? NRA law enforcement. I'm an NRA law enforcement instructor, so that transition over to the civilian side. Uh, I also have my all state level certification for DC, Maryland, Virginia, and Utah, uh, as uh, for for also for Baton is Safari Land and Manadnock and OCAT for pepper spray. Okay, and for those that are not familiar with it, the NRA law enforcement training isn't offered in every state but is offered in quite a few states and as long as you're in the training business i believe you can you can qualify to get in there um you need to go along contact the nra to get to find out what their when their classes are and it's a little bit different than uh the civilian nra pistol instructor nra uh, coach program that they have but it is one of those things that is available for our trainers to go along you just have to tell them you're part of you know training and that you're training uh, people along uh, the law enforcement side and last i talked to them i'm pretty sure they said you could you could get into it but for me the closest is uh tennessee which is a few states uh more over than i want to travel right now yeah i mean they Typically host one. I went to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania for the whole week uh, uh, when I did my class years ago, 20 something another. Uh, it was up in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, uh, where I originally did mine, as well as I have my combat medic and American Red Cross and CPR uh, uh, certified instructor uh, training uh, certificates. But 
I was definitely highly, if anybody's looking to train security officers, state level or federal level, you definitely should get your NRA law enforcement uh, card. Because even if you look at the back of the civilian card, it tells you you cannot train law enforcement. Da, da, da. Uh, but if you're looking to open that avenue and, you know, be able to train your state level security officers, it's a great it's a great uh, certification to have because it makes it easier for you to get your state level certification like Ohio. I know they I never had my Ohio. I've had my Pennsylvania instructor certification to teach up in Pennsylvania and uh, in New Jersey as a as a certified instructor uh, for security officers, because I used to go up to the Liberty Bell. I used to have the Liberty Bell contract. So I used to train all those uh, security officers up there that guards the Liberty Bell. It's a great it's another great avenue to, to work with. You definitely have to bring your patience. Uh, because training civilians that to do security officer work is it's rewarding, but it's taxing at the same time, just to be honest, because you're you're they're paying for they're paying a fee to get a certification, but you're giving more hours than what you're actually getting paid. So it's one of those things where you have to actually plan out your classes ahead of time uh, for people to be able to sign up for those classes. Uh, to make it financial feasible for you uh, mm-hmm. as, as another avenue, uh, especially for my retired police officers that's probably looking to move into that where you, just because you were a cop, you know, your your rules and regulation on the law enforcement side, you got to make sure you understand the state level cert- certification rules and regulations for what we call a security officer in the state of Virginia, because there is no law. There's no such thing as a security guard. Is security officers in certain states. Uh, most states are the state certified as security officers, not security guards. Uh, because in the state of Virginia, a security officer in the state of Virginia has arrest authority. D- Washington, D.C., we call them special police officers, and they're actually sworn in by uh, the chief of police. They get their powers from the chief of police. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's an uh, interesting piece because I'm not a security uh, expert, um, but I do know security licensing is uh, different among all kinds of different states. And yep. that's where if you're looking to get into the business, the best thing to do is uh, read up on it and see exactly what it uh, takes. I know uh, in Ohio, you've got to have your private investigator uh, license in order to uh in order to start a business, to run run a business along those lines, and those are all you know things that you want to know ahead of time before you decide to you know make a decision, get into it. But at the same time, it's it gives you a great avenue, um, potential you know additional uh, revenue stream into your business for it, and uh, you know contacts that you can use and probably share between. You know, both of them, you know, have people talk about your civilian classes at the same time have uh, you know talk about your security. One of the questions I had I have for you because a lot of times on this podcast we've talked about how to attract more students, but how do you attract more security guards? Because that's one that I would don't have a clue on how you uh, encourage people to do that. Please say that again. I'm sorry, I caught part. How do you attract <laughs> security guards? You know, for employment. You know, for your contracts and different things like that. It's. I mean, between not just between the advertising, but just putting the word out that I'm I'm currently looking and researching and trying to find uh, qualified bodies that have that meets the standard, you know, especially for the government contracts. 
you to work on a DHS contract, you have to at least have two years armed security experience. You have to be prior military, prior law enforcement, or you have to uh, have a college degree, at least uh, uh, at least an associate's college degree before you can even apply to get on a government contract. Um, here in the DMV area, it's a it's a melting pot, but just going out, putting the word out, researching, see who's looking for certain contracts and what their requirements are to get on the contract. Because make a lot of my contracts, people have to have a secret, at least a secret. And a lot of government sites are not paying for the secret clearances now. So I'm trying to recruit qualified applicants, more so the retired military personnel that already have an active clearance uh, to get them on contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, that's probably one thing being around the DC area and doing the federal uh, security part is probably a little different than some of the, uh, say, like security uh, guard jobs that would be around uh, Ohio here, or since we don't have as much uh, federal business as you do in the DC, Maryland, uh, Virginia area there. No, and, and I want to say your region is called Region Three when it comes to Homeland Security for federal security officers. And you you have a good bunch of people up there, you know, and it's all type of government buildings, anything that falls under uh, DHS. And, you know, people are looking, see who's paying the who's paying the best price, because every every building, every contract pays different. You know, uh, you have some officers getting paid forty dollars an hour and some officers getting paid uh, thirty five all the way down to twenty eight. But that's that's the price difference depends on where they are. And most times you have officers working two jobs uh on for two different companies well, that makes it fun yeah. oh. um, um, well hey joe um good conversation because uh again a lot of trainers that are out there that are trying to expand their business and uh sometimes it's uh you know better advertising sometimes it's looking for multiple revenue streams and getting into security uh could be one of those things that are our listeners might might be interested in find, finding some more information now. Uh, question for you, season six. What do you want to be remembered for after you pass away? Ooh, what do I want to be remembered for? That I was, that I am and I was a person that's willing to go above and beyond to give my all to anyone that I touch or I have touched as far as educating them to become a security officer or a civilian in this world uh, to carry a firearm and protect themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, hopefully we, we all think about that and the impact as instructors, as teachers, we can have on those uh, people because uh, if they're carrying a firearm, they could potentially have to use it and we want to make sure they're trained properly to use it effectively uh not to just to survive but to uh quote dave spalding to uh persevere because if you survive and you're in a hospital room it's you don't really feel like you uh you won but if you persevere and you're the guy that's walking away then uh you can say you won and that's what matters so very very good thought there for well joe where can people find more out about joe brown and uh scorpion defense training on instagram you can find me at scorpion defense training group uh on google you can find me at sd training uh you can also 
Find me on LinkedIn under Joe Brown under Scorpion uh, Scorpion Defense. Uh, I think I covered everything. Oh, Facebook is Scorpion Defense Training Group LLC on Facebook as well. My phone number, if you wanted to reach out, is 571-358-2902. For any instructors that may have any questions, I'm happy to uh, to lend my assistance and help you along the way. Uh, and my email is j, jb at sdtrainingllc.com. Good. I will make sure that gets into the show notes so everybody who's driving now or who didn't get it the first time can look in the show notes and do that. And I'll make a shameless little plug uh, also. Uh, Joe and I met at Kevin Dixie's Train and Learn event that is coming to the greater Atlanta area on Memorial Day of 2024. Yes. I highly recommend going there. You make uh other great trainers, other great uh, people in the 2A community, and uh, it's uh, very worth the time for it. And I'm looking, hopefully, to be able to be back there next year. I can't guarantee anything quite yet. I haven't uh, haven't gotten the stamp of approval yet. But uh, it's one of those things where if you can go there and do it now, you, you will not be disappointed, to say the least, for it. And uh, Kevin does a really good job for it and uh, really appreciate what Kevin's done as far as putting me in contact with uh, all the different guests that have been on the podcast because, uh, yeah, they're very, they're high quality uh, trainers. I've seen them in the, in action, seen them uh, shoot, and it's good to have them on to share their experience in the industry also. So thank you, Joe, for your time tonight and hope to see you at the train to learn next year. Thank you. Same here. I appreciate you having me on. That's a wrap for this episode. And hopefully there's some of you out there that, as we've been bringing you different business ideas, maybe you're thinking about getting to security or, you know, somebody who's in security services or another um, to a aligned business that maybe you should encourage them to get into instructing business. Um, it's all out there and it's all a possibility for it and ask you to share it among your friends. Help us get more of those instructors out there by giving us a five star rating in your favorite podcast app doesn't take long just go out there click the five stars put a quick comment about what you find so helpful about it and that will help others find us for it if you're searching for information because you start your business or you come up with a unique challenge for your business student marketing something along those lines i bet you we've probably got somebody that's been on the last 250 episodes that could help you so go out to the farm trainer podcast.com website and use a little search bar up in the right, upper right-hand corner. You can find multiple episodes. You can listen to them there. You can listen to them back on your on your smartphone with your podcast app. Doesn't matter. We have the information there for you. I want to encourage you to go along and use it as a resource. If you have any questions for me, topic ideas, guest ideas, anything along those lines, I can always be reached at FTP at concealedcarry.com. Remember to visit our sponsors, especially the Fire Trainers Association, ftaprotect.com. Remember, you establish the business to help other people. Make sure you get your business covered so you can protect yourself with FTA coverage. And remember, FTP10 at checkout for 10% off your policy. We bring this podcast support in the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every fire instructor out there in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe out there, everyone.
Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.